driving someone else's suburban. Thank God it was someone else's. And I come around the curve, and there were three deer that ran across the road, and instinct, I swerved, and I hit another vehicle, a, Cher a Cherokee cheap jeep vehicle head on he literally head on both airbags went off she thought her face was blown up she was freaking out i was over by the side all the way underneath the guy that was following me thought i was dead i was underneath the the uh the floorboard i went all the way into the steering wheel completely totaled both vehicles got up walked away from that not a scratch not a wound and she actually didn't get a scratch or a wound either but it was like the sovereign hand of God that allowed me to survive a head-on collision and I think that was a season like the devil was trying to take me out not down out see like 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 Goliath a lot of us sometimes we put our battles to rest but we don't cut the head off our enemy Am I helping anybody in the building today? So when you reflect, when you reflect about the times in your life when you should have been dead and you're not, there's a reason. There are, there's a reason why sovereignly you will meet certain people. There's a reason why sovereignly you go to certain places. There was a church in, and I won't tell you where it's at because some of you are smart, figure out who I'm talking about. I don't want you to figure it out. But there's, there's a church that I went to every year. Pastor Rhonda went there. Pastor John went there. Several of our ministry friends went there. It was a great, incredible, phenomenal church. The church had a real bad season. The pastor's wife, who was an amazing, phenomenal woman, she died of a rare, a rare, a rare disease. And when she died, the church literally fell apart, literally. The pastor completely left ministry. He's not ministry today. He came here, stayed with us for a couple of days. We tried to walk him through some stuff, and I went to his church and tried to regather and regroup. And while I was there, we met a young lady that had been molested as a child, and she was staying there with the pastor and his wife going through restoration and healing. And against his counsel and someone else's counsel, we brought her here. Got her plugged in, got her established, got her a job, got her a card, got her a credit card. She marries one of the youth in our church, and they have two beautiful children. They're off somewhere else ministering. But I think about today, had I not gone to that disaster and tried to provide some kind of relief, I never would have met her. She would have never come to Cleveland. Her husband would have never met her. They would have never married. They would have never had children. And you would think sometimes that people appreciate the fact that you obeyed God and did stuff for, for, for the kingdom. Is there anybody in the building? Now, that, that relationship, I kind of got thrown on the bus. But let me tell you one I didn't. Several, several, several years ago, 25 years ago. Am I boring you? 25 years ago in the Watts Park Church of God, I went and preached for a brother and sister Goins. Met, their, met, met them, loved them, loved their church, loved everything about them. And then when we came here, what was supposed to be a Sunday through Windsor revival, that went eight weeks and over 500 people were saved. In that revival, Pastor, Pastor Goins and his wife came to the revival. And after the service was over, Sister Goins walked up to me and said, I wish you would pray for my son. I said, okay, well, tell me about your son. He said, well, he's, he's our oldest son. Uh, he was raised in church. He, he loves the Lord. He went through a real bad divorce. He's on drugs. He's in California. He's running a backhoe. And uh, he's in California. He's away from God. And I said, give me his number. She gave me his number. I went home and called him. Introduced myself, told him who I was, told him I'd been with his parents, told him that they'd come and heard me preach. And I said, hey, I said, we're in the middle of a revival. We'd love for you to come out and be a part and just enjoy the." Now, realizing I'm talking to a guy on drugs. I'm talking to a guy that's away from the Lord, a guy that has no intentions whatsoever of serving the Lord. 
and kind of in a kind of cocky kind of draw. He said, well, I'm making 20 some odd dollars an hour and I'm, I'm here in California. I said, okay, great, I'm from California. We talked a little about some of the places he was at and I knew where he had been, where he was working. The next day, look at somebody say the next day, he got fired. The next day, he got fired. The day after, he was in the service and guess what happened that night? He gave his heart to God. Guess what he did then? He married my administrator. Guess what happened then? Pastor Rhonda raised him up as a praise and worship leader. Guess what he did then? Went to two or three great churches, full-time leadership. Guess what he's doing today? He's pastoring the Watts Bar Church of God. The very place it started is where he's at now. Tell me God does not have the authority and the ability to do whatever he wants to do. But you got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know what you stand for. You got to know in what you, you believe. Jesus is getting ready to do what he was called to do. How many knows what Jesus was called to do? Talk to me. The Son of God was manifest that he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. The devil comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came in a ministry of restoration. Everything's been stolen. The Bible says we get returned sevenfold. What the devil tried to kill, he speaks life to dead things and brings them back to life. And what the enemy tries to destroy, the Lord restores it for good and glory of the kingdom. That's what he came to do. He came to destroy the works of the devil. It's winding down. He's taught them everything they need to know. They've seen thousands of miracles. The Bible says if they were to write down everything that Jesus did in those three years, the volumes of the libraries we have today could not contain the illustrated miracles that he performed. They lived in miracles. They saw the dead being raised. One of them walked on water. They saw God cast out demons. They saw the manifestation of the power of God. He's getting ready to, to, to go to that final hour, that final place. Most of you will, John 12. And I want to back up just a verse or two. They're going to put something up there. I want you to look at John 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of God should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. In other words, if it falls in the ground, it, it abideth. But if it gets buried, it accomplishes something. Can anybody relate? Seed that is not buried will not accomplish anything. So it goes on to tell them, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, remember last week we talked about driving that nail on the rock, and we went from, we went from the gutter to lamb to servant to friend to son to light to work. Remember that? If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. How cool would it be today knowing because you're doing the right thing, you're doing the God thing, that today God is in heaven honoring you. How cool is that? The Bible says that God built an altar, a memorial for Cornelius because everything he did, God saw. And the man of God told Cornelius, Cornelius, thy prayers has become a memorial unto God. That God honored Cornelius to such a degree, sent the man of God to his house to bring the Holy Spirit and all the fruits and gifts and manifestations of. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I on this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Watch what he does. Although he has the power over death, 
Although he has the power over demons, he has the power over doubt, he has the power over depression, he's prepared to submit himself to death because it's the will of the Father. One of the, this is one of the most least preached passages in the Bible, and I understand why, because something phenomenal happens when he tells the disciples, here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. He talks about seed, sowing, harvest. He talks about servanthood, following. He talks about honor, and then he says this, Father, be glorified. Notice the very next verse. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Two glories. I believe the first glory when the word said, Father, I will take on the form of man. I will go to earth. I will die for their sins. I'll pay for the sins of the world. I'll take the sting of death, the power of the grave. I will be that sacrificial lamb. I will be that servant. I will, I will go to where man is. I'll feel what they feel, know what they know, and die for them. I think at that moment in eternity, God glorified Jesus. And I believe that when there are moments of immaculate conception in your spirit, when God births something, when God puts a burden, a desire, a thought, a song, a theme, a word, a poem, whatever, whatever is in there, and you say, Lord, I accept that, I believe God glorifies you. I remember um, just a few months into the divorce, I packed everything I owned and left L.A. and came to Chattanooga, rented a taxi that was a station wagon, because I had my guitar, I had all my clothes, I had all my, I think 10 suitcases I flew in here in Chattanooga, came, came to Cleveland, got a motel. There was a reason why I was telling you this, I'm trying to remember what the reason was. I'm sure it was important. Anyway, let me tell a story, maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out what the, what the story is. Came, oh, I remember, I'm sorry, whoo, brain, brain dead, too much ice cream, brain freeze. Brought all my stuff here, Tried to meet with Pastor Ronnie. She wouldn't meet. Her dad came over one night, kind of held my hand, kind of, kind of prayed with me, said all the right things. I actually met with Brother Littlefield because everybody told me he was the man of the city. He was a man, and all he said was pray. I met with Dr. Lowry. All he said was join the Church of God. And so I really didn't get, I didn't really get a whole lot of, of input or direction. And and stayed here three days. I've never told this story before. Stayed here three days. Packed everything back, went back to Chattanooga, got in late, late, late Saturday night, got up Sunday morning, went to church. And I'll never forget a man by the name of Dr. Alan McRae. He's, he's, he's uh, retired now, pastored a great church in Arizona for years and years. He was an evangelist, and he preached a message entitled, God Wants Your Best. Now, I can take you within inches to the place where I gave my heart to God and got delivered from drugs within inches. I can take you with inches to the place where God filled me with the power of the whole. I'm telling you, I can take you right now to Southern California in that sanctuary. It's still there and show you within just a few inches of where I, I got filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I can also show you the very altar that I knelt at and I sat there at that altar and God said, I want you to preach the gospel. And I said, God, I'll do anything but that. Raised as a preacher's kid. Watch people stomp all over my parents, stomp all over them. People are cruel, and sheep bite, and they abandon, and they forget how good God's been to them through their leadership. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a pastor. I wanted nothing to do with, with, with that particular aspect of ministry. And when I said, God, I'll do anything but that, it was almost like something turned off, and I lost something. 
I lost a, I lost a vein. I lost a, I lost a breeze. I lost a light. I lost, I lost something right then. I grie- I knew, I knew. I grieved the heart of God. And I said, okay, God, I'll preach the gospel. Two weeks later, look at somebody, two weeks later, I went to a spa. I don't want to freak you out. I went to a spa that I worked out with Mr. Teenage America, and we were all working out one day, and we went and got in the spa, and we were all in there naked, four naked guys in the spa. I preached my first sermon. Three of them got saved right there in the spa, naked. Yeah, right there in the spa. Don't let your mind go there. Cast that thought down. Don't, don't deal with that right now. My first sermon, my first sermon. My second sermon, watch this. My second sermon, little tiny church of God in Santa Ana, California. I'm on the platform, get ready to preach. All of a sudden, this woman in the church, stand, listen, if, I'm, if I lie, I die. This woman stands up and starts testifying. And the pastor said, my God, if you don't do something, she'll talk all night long. I said, what do you want to do? He said, why don't you run around the building, just shout and praise the Lord, and I'll follow you. I said, okay. I mean, I was, this is my second sermon. I was submitting. I took off. Woo! He sat there on the platform and did nothing, I tell you. He left me out there, ran around the church, felt real stupid. Probably wasn't a great sermon, but we did shut her up. I remember. And then, as, and then the, the doors would open, things would happen, things would take place. But, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm, your mind goes back to what if at that altar I'd have said no and stayed there? What if I said no to the doors that got open? Where, where, where would I? Well, I'll tell you where I'd have been. Can I tell you where I'd have been? The week after, everybody said the week after, I gave my heart to God, two of my best friends, and we were only best friends because of drugs. Isn't that funny? You know, when you stop doing drugs, you realize you have absolutely nothing in common with your friends. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Two weeks, two, see, Sunday, I say Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That night, my two friends with nickel-plated Smith & Wesson 9 millimeter pistol did a drug deal. They sold $60,000 worth of marijuana. They provided the drug. The money was coming in. I, I was just in a deal with them the week before. We all had our guns. We all thought we were cool. We sold a chunk of hash. That night, they sold $60,000 worth of marijuana to the Anaheim Police Department. They were both wealthy. If I were to say their name, am I telling the truth? If you went to Southern California today, there are 70 liquor stores with their names on it today. They have their own alcohol. They have their own, they have their own scotch, their own tequila, their own vodka. Multi, multi, multi millionaires. Their dad's brothers come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I was broke. Had I been arrested for that crime, I would have done three to 20 in a penitentiary. And I look back and reflect when, when I wanted to turn right, and God said, turn left. When I wanted to go this way, but God said, go that way. And I follow up those decisions. And I look back, and had I done it my way, I'd be just like Elvis. Can I do my impersonation of Elvis for you? Oh, yeah. If I did it my way, I'd be dead. I didn't, know, I didn't know boundaries. I didn't know limits. If there were 20 Valium, we ate them. If there was a gram of Coke, we snorted it. There was no, there, you understand, there was no, I had no, I had no boundaries in my life, none whatsoever. And had I continued, how many can relate? Had I continued the path that I'd have been on, I'd have climbed that power pole and been electrocuted. I'd have been in that car that rolled several times and died. But God spared me because he had a purpose and a plan for my life. And the same purpose and plan that he has for me, he has for you. He has that purpose and plan for you. So here's what happens. 
I got to do the will of the Father. It's not going to be an easy task. The seed's got to die. It's got to be buried before it can bring forth fruit. I'm going to glorify the Father. Father, glorify thy name. And then all of a sudden, a voice from heaven says, I have glorified when the seed's planted in your heart and you accept it, God glorifies in you. Right there on the spot. Right there, that's my child in whom I'm well pleased. And then when you follow up on the seed and you do the commitment, when he said, I'm going to the cross, he, God said from heaven, I've glorified it and I will glorify it again. And where did he glorify it? The third day when he took away the keys of hell and of death, he honored his son into his kingdom and said, well done, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God sat down, turned everything over to Jesus and is still glorifying him today. How cool is that? But watch this. Watch the next verse. Well, we got a lot to cover in the next 16 minutes. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Watch this. When God touches your life, there's going to be two types of people. There's always going to be people stand by and watch you do the right thing. Hello. Everybody's looking for a leader. Everybody's looking for someone to, 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 to make the trail, to, to blaze the trail. People want to be followers. You, I, I'm telling you, people will crack you up and when you see some of the things they will follow, some of the things they will do. But the people stood by, some just heard thunder, and some heard the voice of God. I don't want to get so caught up in movement. I don't want to get so caught up in the, in the thrill. I don't want to get so caught up in the hoopla. Listen, I love the hoopla. I love the praise. I love the worship. I love, but I don't want to fall in love with praise and worship to the degree that I got to travel to every church in this city to find out who has the most awesome praise and worship team, which, which ministry makes you feel all the goosebumps. I don't want to just hear the thunder. I want to hear the voice. I want, to be, I want to be the one that actually hears and says God spoke and hears what God said. It's so easy sometimes to follow. My father-in-law told me a long time ago, we first started the church, we attracted some weirdos. I'm telling you, some really, really strange people. And, uh, you know, for the past few years, it's been pretty calm. There's not too many strange of you out there. But there was a time when there was some weird, crazy, scary things going on, things I didn't want to touch, have anything to do with. And I remember Rhonda's dad told me, he said, Hank, he said, the brighter the light, the more bugs. And when you get out there, and we have been out there, we, we have some weird people show up. People bring their own tambourine, carry a, a, a tuna in a bucket, and they'll beat it. And, get, and then people dress all white, got that white paste on them, white dress, white. I mean, there have been some, am I telling the truth? There have been some strange people. There have been times when I was at the back door, and a guy come in and goes, where's the pastor? I want to have a word with him. I haven't seen the pastor. He's not in today. I think he's coming in. I mean, there have, been, there, have been, there have been some moments I probably should have documented when there were some weird things happening. But thank God for balance. Thank God that, that, you know, my dad told me a long time ago, he said, don't worry about wildfire. There's always enough wet blankets around to put it out. Can anybody relate? And they're sure there's always someone going to quench the spirit, shut it down, take away the tambourine, tell them to stop screaming, whining, whatever they're doing. So thank God that we are here today and we've arrived. Look at some, I don't know about you, but I'm not one of those weirdos anymore. I have found some balance. So here's what, here's what he does. He, he says, guys, I know who I am. 
I know what I have to do. Now realize, at that time, he's among pretty much friends. Judas is going to freak out. Peter's going to cuss. But pretty much, he's surrounded. Good food. Watch this, man. Good company. A good moment. Before he heads towards the cross, he's got his mind made up. Montana, he's decided, I'm going to lose my life. It's going to be taken from me. And as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days, I'm going to be in the belly of hell. I'm going to drink a cup. And in that cup are all the sins of the world, every molester, every drug dealer, every mafia, every murder, every rapist, every, every, the penalty for every, you, you line them all up and every crime they committed, every, everything they did, I'm going to pay for all the sins of the world. I'm ready. What should I say, Father? Go to John. Let's go a little further. Verse 27, you there? Now my soul is troubled because I know the storm I'm getting ready to endure. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause, that word cause there, the same word in the Greek for purpose. For this purpose, this is my purpose. I have to pay for the sins of the world. There's only one, day to do, one way to do it, and that is to be the sacrificial lamb that was established 2,000 years earlier through the tribe of Levi when they took the animal and killed it and spread its blood on the post, the two side posts, at the night of Passover when they left, when they left Egypt. That, that lamb that was sacrificed, all the animals that been sacrificed were all done on credit. Jesus was the debit. How many knows there's a difference? Credit, you pay for it later. Jesus said, I pay for it now. Take it out of my account right now. I'm ready. Now, go with, go with me, if you will, to John 18. And I promise you, I will finish this, this message next, next Sunday. I promise you, I've got way too much I want to leave with you. John 18. Things have changed. Spent the night in the garden, suffered hematrodosis, the sweat glands burst, mixing blood with perspiration, blood began to fall down his face. The devil was there in the garden. Three times a cup was brought to him. Three times he said, let the cup pass. Finally he said, I'm going to drink the cup. They arrest him. They take him to Pilate, who if you'll do, your, you'll do your studies, Pilate secretly was a fan of Jesus. Pilate hired an entourage to guard and protect Jesus because the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, were trying to kill him. On several occasions, if you go through the word of God, you'll find where there was, there was intervention from the Roman government because, because Pilate secretly admired Jesus. When Pilate got ready to hear the case, his wife said, Honey, I had, a, I had a dream last night. Don't touch that man. That man's godly. That man. And when Pilate went to the trial, he tried three times he tried to vindicate Jesus. And the only accusation, the only accusation they had against him was he claims to be the king of the Jews. Pilate's going to ask Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus is very, he's very clear with his answer. His answer is, 
My kingdom is not of this earth. If it was, my servants would fight for it. My kingdom is the kingdom of heaven, and this is what I've got to do. Let's look at it. John 18, let's look at verse 33. Then Pilate entered the judgment hall again. Second time he tried to spare the life of Jesus. And called Jesus and said, Art thou the king of Jews? Jesus answered and said, verse 34, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it, tell it of, the, of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests had delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Notice how clear this answer is. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. Watch this. To this end, or purpose, like some say purpose, was I born, and for this cause, there again, came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Here's what, here's what happened. Before there was a storm, before there was a beating, before the hematidosis, before the, the weight of the world upon his shoulders, Jesus, in a calm moment, said, this is my destiny, this is my purpose, in a calm moment. And then when the storm comes against him, he's in Pilate's hall. All he has to do is, 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 is Veronica, change two words, and his life would have been spared. All he had to do was to edit some statements he made, and he would have been spared. But in a storm, under all the weight of all the pressure, here's what he said. What should I say? Save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came in this hour. See, he'd already decided. You see this, Christian? He decided long ago, I'm, I'm going to pay for the sins of the world. I'm going to die a horrible death. I, I know I'm going to taste death for every man. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go where sin goes when, when people die as sinners. I'm going I'm to taste that. I already know what I'm going to do. And then when the moment came, he walked it all the way through. And aren't you glad that he did? Aren't you glad that he drank the cup? He went to the cross. He took away the sins of the world. There's a, there's a movie out. And what made me think about this movie is that uh, yesterday I saw an RO 1-8 scale race car. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? This car went from zero to 45 in like a second. And there's a remote thing, got a brake on it, got a remote, got a wheel that turned it. And it, I said, what's the RPMs on that? 7,000? He goes, 30,000. That's a lot of RPMs. He fired up the little car, and we went out, in the, went out in the, right there in the little driveway, just a little driveway. He fired that thing up. Woo! That's exactly how it went. He went, woo! Went back the way. I go, my God, that thing's fast. But you know how fast your sins were removed from you? Twice as fast as that. You can't even measure the time frame when he took your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. And we know that to be at least 100,000 light years because we've done the math in our solar system. That's, that's, that's not only how fast he removed your sins, but how far he removed your sins as the east is from the west. That's how much he cares about and he loves everyone in this building. We're not even going to look at the um, Acts 27 thing. 
Oh, that's a great word. Okay. What is your purpose? Why are you here? What's your theme? What's your focus? What, what floats your boat? What rocks your world? 1 John 3 and 18, he said, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. I think he did it. How many agrees? I think he took away the keys of hell. He took away the sting of death and that we are not a hopeless people any longer. But I wrote some things down and said, why are you here? In, first, in Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, we'll look at it next week, but it talks about being predestined for the glory of God. We were predestined to bring glory to the Father. And you know what, you know what brings glory to the Father? Doing the will of God in your life. And I just made a list of some of the things that may be the will of God in your life. He did say, I was hungry and you fed me. So probably the way to bring glory to the Father is to find someone that's hungry and feed them. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. I think maybe that what would glorify, I believe every Wednesday night, I believe God's glory falls upon this building. I believe all my heart. Three times the police department has been called. Fire trucks have come because someone said our building was on fire, literally on fire. Am I telling the truth? Who's been with me? You know the truth? And, and it's like, it wasn't the building on fire. It was the glory of God showing up because we were feeding people under a generational curse, familiar spirits, bondage, all kinds, of, all kinds of garbage, all kinds of drama, all kinds of baggage. But we did not feed them because they were worded to be fed. We fed them because God told us, find someone that's hungry and feed them. And you think we've done well in the past 20 years. Wait till you see our new facility. He said, I, 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 didn't have, I didn't close, and you brought me clothes. So I believe the way to bring glory to the Father is by finding someone that does not have enough clothes to survive and do what needs to be done, and you provide them clothing. He said, I was in prison, and you came to see me. We right now are creating a booklet that's going to go into every jail cell that's under lockdown. How know what, what, what that means? Lockdown, no Bible, no TV, no, no, no outside, no, no sun whatsoever. No time outside that cell, two people cell, little toilet, little sink, and there you spend, there you spend as long as long as you're locked down. There's nothing in there. The door has opened for us to put something in there, and we're gonna touch the jail, we're gonna touch the prison system like we've never touched it. Go ahead, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I just I just wrote down some things about tornado destruction. And the tornado Harvest provided a thousand bottles of water. We took chainsaws. We took three guys with chainsaws, and all they did for three days was cut trees off a building. That's all. That's all. That's all. That's all that we did. We tried. We tried to recover everything that Valerie had lost. We did a pretty good job, didn't we? We brought her stuff. She didn't even know that it was spared from the, like her wedding pictures. There's none of that in your. We, we found all that, didn't we? See, there. You, you don't. You don't have to be, have a lot of money or have a lot of clout, a lot of power to bring glory to God. All you got to do is make yourself available. God's not looking for ability. Talk to the donkey. Talk to the whale. He will use what is made available to him. He's preached the multitude. Peter said, hey, get in my boat. Got out there, preached the God's pretty cool and knows what he's doing. All you got to do is place yourself in the right place at the right time. I wrote down some things here. Unwed mother. Another thing. A drug rehab. Sharing your testimony of drug rehab. Helping somebody in divorce recovery. Abortion recovery, marriage restoration, maybe of a singing ministry, maybe a teaching ministry. Maybe you're just good at telling jokes. You laugh, you cause people to laugh. The, the, the ministry of encouragement. 
taking authority over generational curses, with financial gifts, with health, getting involved, doing something with your life so that at the end of the day, you feel like that somehow, some way, you brought God glory. Well, that's it. That's all we got. So what do you do with all this? You find out whatever your purpose is, and you do it better than anybody else. Well, I don't know what my, pers- my, my, my purpose is. Take a personality test. If you're a sanguine, you're probably a teacher. If you're choleric, you're probably into administration. If you're phlegmatic, you probably have a jail ministry, a clothing ministry, a food ministry. And if you're, what's the other one? Melancholy, you can do it all. Right, Debbie? We are the world. I wanted so much to talk about storms. It's not going to happen. Can I tell you? I'm going to tell you whether you say I can or not. Can I tell you the only thing the fiery furnace produced? It burnt their ropes and set them free. Can I tell you the storm that you're going through is your next promotion? The fire you feel like you're in, Shadrach said, maybe you will and maybe you won't. We're going to throw you in the furnace. It's going to be done. Maybe you will and maybe you won't. But if you do, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Watch this. If he does it, we're still not going to bow. We're not promised of healing, promised of restoration, promised of a paycheck, promised of winning the lottery. But we're going to stand our ground whether God shows up or not. Jonathan's arm bearer went to battle, and they get out there, and they go to the wrong place, the wrong battle. All the troops missed the, they missed the place. Jonathan and his arm bearer and all the armies of the, of, the, of the enemy are against them. And Jonathan said, well, we're at, the right, we're at the wrong place. Let's come back tomorrow. And the armor bearer says, wait a minute. Maybe God will show up. Maybe he won't, but if he does, what a victory. And his armor bearer talked Jonathan into chasing the army. They killed thousands that day. I mean, it's, a, it's a miracle when you begin to encourage someone that's over you in the Lord. I mean, the armor bearer didn't have a degree. He'd never been to Bible college. He, never, he, 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 he simply said, there's something on the inside of me that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And God takes difficulty. God takes storms. The seed's got to be buried. And whatever storm the enemy's tried to bury you under, you're not going to stay buried. On that third day, you're going to blow out of that tomb, resurrect, and become and do what God wants you to do and what God wants you to become. Thank you, Lord. Just for a moment, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, show us our purpose. Show us our cause. Show us what we're good at. Show us what motivates us. What keeps us up to 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning? What do we spend every dime, every extra dime we get? What do we spend it on? Where are we on Saturdays? What, what are we doing with our quality time? What what What... What excites us? What motivates us? What encourages us? Where in the kingdom do we fit in? What are we supposed to be doing? How can we do it better? How can we grow? How can we learn? How can we, how can we get knowledge as power? How can we get knowledge? What do we need to get, do to get from where we're at to where we need to be? 
When the storm came against Paul, they fasted for 14 days, everybody. They knew they were dead, it was obvious. But after 14 days, Paul said, guys, it's time to eat. It's time to eat, time to get strong. They ate, they became happy. And then Paul said, throw all the food overboard. They threw all the wheat overboard. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, he intends to provide that. Don't judge us for our trespasses and mistakes. He intends to do that. He would have never told us to ask for it if he didn't intend to do it for us. Pastor, I've never fasted. Fast seven meals, two and a half days. Pastor, I've, I've, never, I've never gone without this at any length of time. Just go 24 hours. Make an effort. Do something. Do, do, do anything. Shake yourself. Stir yourself. Encourage yourself. When all hell came against David, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He may have got the harp out. As we're saying in Psalms 23, I don't know what he did. It doesn't say. But when he made up his mind he was not going to stay in that pit, the Bible says God came to him and said, go after them, chase them. You'll catch up with them. You're going to recover everything. Some couldn't go. They were too tired. He didn't judge them. He left them with the stuff, came back and gave them an equal part of the reward. Maybe you're so burnt out with all the stuff going on, maybe God just needs to open a window and bless you whether you deserve it or not. Let you reap where you haven't sown. Let you have a harvest where you haven't planted. The Bible says that you will reap where you have not sown. You'll harvest where you have not planted. Every one of us in this room today is going through something. There, there's, a, there's a wall there. There's a, there's a barrier. There's a, there's a crevice. There's a gulf. There's a span. And there doesn't appear to be a bridge. Prophetically, I'm telling you today, God has given you the stuff you need to build the bridge. Quit waiting for someone else to bail you out, someone else to solve your problems, someone else to pay your bills. Take what you have and build your bridge and get to where you need to be to do what you need to do because nobody can do it quite like you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this season. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this word.